وَأَذِّنْ فِي النَّاسِ And announce to the people, amongst the people. After Ibrahim a.s. constructed the Kaaba, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded that أَذِّنْ فِي النَّاسِ أَذِّنْ make adhan, make announcement, proclaim. O Ibrahim, finnasi to the people, meaning all the people. What announcement should you make to them? Bilhajji, of Hajj, of the pilgrimage. That they should come to perform the Hajj. And when you will make the announcement, what will happen? Ya'tuka, they will come to you. Meaning the people will come to perform Hajj. How will they come to perform Hajj? Rijalan, walking, on foot. Rijal is a plural of? Rajil. Alright, over here, Rijal is not the plural of Rajul. Okay? Who is Rajul? A man. But the word Rijal is a plural of Rajul as well as Rajil. Who is Rajil? The one who is on his Rijal. What is Rijal? Foot. So Rajil, one who is walking, a pedestrian. Someone who is not riding a vehicle or an animal or anything like that. What are they doing? Walking. So, وَأَذِّنْ فِي النَّاسِ بِالْحَجِّ يَأْتُوكَ رِجَالًا They will come to you walking. They will come to you on foot. They will make the journey to Mecca, not on a camel, not on a horse, not on a car, but how? They will come walking all the way. Why will they come walking all the way? Because they will not have the means of transport. So, if it takes walking on foot to get to Mecca, they will come. Have you ever walked to a place that is really far? Ever? Like what? It was painful. Okay. Yes? Okay. Has it ever happened that you go downtown and you want to go to maybe the museum or uh, some mall or something like that and the parking is full, all the free parking spots are full and the paid parking is just too expensive, five dollars for every half an hour. So then what do you do? You park your car, even if it's five kilometers away from where you have to go to save money, and you'll walk all the way to the place where you have to go, even if it takes you half an hour, 45 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever it takes, you'll walk all the way. Why? Why don't you say at that time, forget it man, let's just go home. Why don't you do that? Because you're so desperate to go to the mall. You just, you know, you're the chance to go and watch that game. You know, be in the stadium. Because you got free tickets. Or somebody's taking you there. This is your chance to go there. So you don't mind walking for 40 minutes in minus 20 because you want it so bad. Right? When you want something and you have to walk to it, you'll walk to it. When it's of value to you, you desire it, then you'll walk to it. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Exactly. When there's some goal, when there's something that you want, and you have to walk to it, you walk to it. It doesn't matter how long it will take, or how difficult it will be, or what you will lose in that journey. It doesn't matter. You go. So, يَأْتُوكَ رِجَالًا People will want to come for Hajj, so desperately, that they will even walk all the way to Mecca. وَعَلَى And they will also come on كُلِّ ضامر Every lean camel, every slender, thin camel. ضامر From the root letters, ضاد ميم را ضاد ميم را ضمرة And what does that mean? 
Admara is to hide. Alright? To hide. Dhamir, from the same root. What is Dhamir? Dhamir muttasil, Dhamir munfasil. What is it? It's a pronoun. Words like huwa, hiya, ilmuha. Right? What are these words? Pronouns. Ha, huma, hum. Right? So anyway, all of these are pronouns. Now, when you're referring to someone as she said it, you know, she did it. And you're talking about she, 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 and somebody is listening to that conversation, and what do they say? Who? Who did it? Who said this? They're like, she did it. You're trying to hide the name, the identity of that person by talking about them with pronouns, referring to them with pronouns. So, abmara is to hide, to keep something secret. Alright? Damara is to be thin, to be lean. Because when someone's thin, they hide very easily. Is it? When something is thin, it's very easy to hide it. Now, Damir is used for a camel that has become very slender, very slim. Right? The stomach has gone in from the sides and the back also has become very thin. Why? Because of long journey. Because of a long journey. It's been traveling for days, not just days, weeks and months. And that's why the camel is lean and slender and tired. And because it's been carrying heavy loads. Constantly there has been something on its back. So it's become lean and slender. So they will come on every lean camel. What does it mean? They will come from far off places. So much so that by the time they arrive, their camels are thin. They are exhausted from the journey, but they will come anyway. Yatina, they will come min kulli fajjin amik from every fudge that is amik. What is fudge? Fajim jim. Plural of Fijaj, mountain pass. Right? Mountains, valleys. And between them, through the mountains, you find these natural pathways, natural roadways. So this is Fudge. Right? Through mountains, through mountain passes. Armiq, Armiq, which are very low and deep. Umuq, Ain Mim Qaf is used for the depth of something. A deep well, for example. Right? It's so deep that you can't even see the bottom of it. So very deep mountain pass, what does it mean? Meaning from very far off places, distant places, very far off places, but they will come. Meaning, no matter what, people will come to do hajj. They will undertake long, exhausting journeys. They will come in luxury and they will also come through hardship and with poverty. But they will come. And do we see this? Yes. When you go to Makkah, especially at hajj time, There are people from all over the world, from every distant remote place. You didn't even know it existed. And you find out that so many people live there and they have come to do hajj. And all of this is in response to whose call? The call of Ibrahim a.s. أَذِّن فِي النَّاسِ بِالْحَجِّ Now the question is, how did Ibrahim a.s. make this adhan? We learn in a hadith which is recorded in Ibn Abi Hatim on the authority of Ibn Abbas anhu that Ibrahim a.s. when he completed the construction of the Kaaba, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded him to call people for hajj. Now imagine, Makkah is not what it is today. How was Makkah at that time? Just sand, mountains, emptiness, barrenness, no house, nothing. Just a few people. And Ibrahim alayhi was told, call people to do hajj. 
Ibrahim said, Oh Allah, how will my voice reach everybody? Because adhan, this is like, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Hayya ala salah, hayya ala falah. Just like this adhan, Ibrahim was to make adhan, to call people for hajj. So he said, how will my voice reach everyone? Allah told him that his duty was only to give the call. And it was up to Allah to make the call reach people. So what happened? Ibrahim climbed on top of Mount Abu Qubais. Jabal Abu Qubais. According to others, Arafah. So he climbed that mountain and he called out in his loudest voice possible. He said, O oh people, verily Allah has prescribed hajj upon you. So perform hajj. O oh people, your Lord has built a house and has made pilgrimage to it an obligation upon you. So respond to the call of your Lord. And he made this call, face, you know, turning towards the right, then he turned to the left. He faced every direction and he made this call. Just like the mu'adhin, when he's giving the adhan, he turns to the right and he also turns to the left. So just like that, Ibrahim made the adhan. This was Ibrahim marketing. What was his marketing? Standing up on the top of a mountain and just calling out to people. Come for hajj. It's fard on you. Allah has made this an obligation on you. Why was this his marketing? Because this was within his ability. That's all he could do. This was within his capacity. Alright? Now it doesn't mean that when we have the ability to reach out to many people, we say, no, 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 no. You know, I'm just gonna say nothing. I'm gonna market nothing. And I'm just gonna... Do it for the sake of Allah. No, you do whatever is within your capacity. Just like Hajar, what did she do? She ran between Safa and Marwa. Why? Because this was within her capacity. When she went on top of Mount Safa, what did she do? She looked far and wide. Is there anyone in sight? Is there any place far away maybe in the distance where I can see signs of life? Is there anything, anyone, any movement, anywhere? Because this was within her capacity. That's all she could do. Ibrahim this is what he could do. And he did his best. And what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made everybody hear the call. And each person who goes for hajj is who? The one who responded to the call of Ibrahim He said, come to do hajj. And when we go for hajj, what do we say? لَبَّيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ لَبَّيْكَ Here I am, O Allah. Here I am at your service. I have answered your call. You called me for hajj, I have answered your call. And to answer this call, look at how people will come. They will come on foot, they will come on every slender, lean camel, they will come from every far off, distant, remote place, but they will come for hajj. Because Ibrahim salam's call was very sincere. He made the call, that was within his capacity, and he also made dua. In the Quran we learn Ibrahim salam made dua, فَجْعَلْ أَفْئِدَةً مِنَ النَّاسِ let the hearts of people incline towards my children so that they will come here and perform hajj. What's the lesson in this ayah? Do whatever is within your capacity and leave the results to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What are we worried about? Lack of resources. And what is it that we should truly be worried about? Lack of ikhlas. Lack of sincerity. Because if the action is insincere, and the results are great, what does that matter? What will that action bring? Nothing. 
Remember in Surah At-Tawbah we learned a man builds his house where? A man builds a structure on where? On the sand, on the edge of a cliff. And what happens? Fanhara bihi, it falls down. The structure collapses. Why? Because the foundation is weak. The foundation is not solid. The sincerity is missing. If sincerity is missing, and there is many resources, many people, many friends, many supporters, many things to do, that action will be fruitless. It will not carry any weight on the Day of Judgment. But if the action is founded on sincerity, and the resources are very limited, then what will happen? That action will be valuable. So what do we have to be concerned about? Our intention. And what we are capable of doing. What is within our capacity? What is within our ability? And the results, you leave them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But don't sit there doing nothing and say that, oh, I leave it to Allah. No, you have to do what is within your capacity. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted, He would have not even asked Ibrahim a.s. to give the adhan. Ibrahim a.s. was made to give the adhan because that is what Ibrahim a.s. could do. So do what you can do, even if it seems useless, but do it anyway. And Allah will bring the results. The results are in Allah's hands. Our part is to do our best. So people respond to the call of Ibrahim a.s. and they go for hajj. And when they go for hajj, what happens? لِيَشْهَدُوا مَنَافِعَ لَهُمْ لِيَشْهَدُوا They may witness. Announce the hajj so that they will come. And when they will come, they will witness what? مَنَافِعَ لَهُمْ مَنَافِعَ plural of manfa'ah. What is manfa'ah? Something that's a source of naf'ah, benefit for you. They come to witness benefits lahum for them. Meaning they come seeking benefits. When they will come, they will certainly be benefited. You know, it's like you go to a very nice, fun place, and then you call your friends and you tell them, just come and see. Just come and see. You'll like it. You'll love it. You'll have a great time. Likewise, you don't know what benefits there are in hajj until you actually go for hajj. لِيَشْهَدُوا مَنَافِعَ لَهُمْ What kind of benefits are there when you go for hajj, when you go to Makkah? There are both material benefits, worldly benefits, and spiritual benefits. When it comes to material benefits, too many. Like for example, gold. Okay, good, good. What else? Okay, zamzam water. What else? Dates. Okay, yeah, you get the best dates over there. What else? Halal food. Okay. What else? Best of a bias. Okay, yes. Yes, a lot of good reading material, amazing literature, Islamic literature. What else? Material, worldly benefits. Oh, hotels. Okay, luxury. Good. What else? Yes. Food. Alhamdulillah. So this is all manafir. And also if you think about it, I mean, when hajj is fard, you have to go if you're able. And you must go. And it's recommended that a person goes frequently for umrah. Right? Because when you go for umrah again and again, then what happens? Your sins are erased. So anyway, when a person goes, he gets to meet so many people. 
You know, when you're living in your home country, in your city, you just go, you have a routine, five days a week you go to work, on the weekend you go to your relatives, and then that's it. This is all your world is about. But when you go for Umrah, you get to see so many people, you get to meet so many people, you interact with the world, you get exposed to so many things, there's so much learning in this entire journey. There's so much learning. Manafir. And again, spiritual benefits, they're also unlimited. The yaqeen, the iman that you get when you go there, is something that you cannot find anywhere else. When you see the Kaaba, and you realize Ibrahim built it, and the Prophet was here, the Prophet was born over here, it brings, it really strengthens your iman. This is why it's so important that little children even should be taken for Umrah and Hajj. Because once you see that place in childhood, then you love that place from the beginning. It's a deep anchor for your iman. And besides that also, when you go for hajj, when you go for umrah, sins are forgiven. You attain nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You develop many good habits. So many good habits. I remember when I went for umrah, I started niqab over there. One of the times that I went, I started niqab over there. Because for some reason when I was there, I felt like every man was staring at me. I, it just felt so awkward. Whenever I would feel like somebody's staring at me, I would cover my face a little bit. And then when I was at the airport leaving, I'm like, but come on, this is not right. That you put it on where you feel like it'll benefit you, and then when you're somewhere else, you don't. So that is the point where I made my decision. Like, you know what? Either you'll do it now or you'll never do it. I'm like, just do it. Just do it. And I did it. So anyway, you develop many good habits over there. You get to start many good things over there. Spiritual benefits, manafir. So go so that you may witness manafir. If you're feeling like your life is boring and there's nothing improving in your life, at a point where you're just still stagnant, you need to grow, go for umrah. Go for hajj. Make du'as over there. Seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over there. Ask Allah for barakah. Ask Allah for blessings. And when you're there, وَيَذْكُرُوا And they should mention, اسم الله, The name of Allah. فِي أَيَّامٍ مَعْلُومَاتٍ In the known days. Which known days? The days of hajj. The well-known days are the days of hajj. Which days are important when it comes to Makkah? The days of hajj. And which days are they? The first ashra of Dhul Hijjah. And then after that, the Ayyam Tashriq, the 10th to the 13th of Dhul Hijjah. So during these days, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Yadkuru. They should remember Isma Allah, the name of Allah, meaning when you go for Hajj, don't forget Allah's name. You're so busy in shopping and eating and meeting people and having a good time with your family that you forget about Allah. No. وَيَذْكُرُوا اسْمَ اللَّهِ فِي أَيَّامٍ مَعْلُومَاتٍ And more specifically, this is referring to mentioning Allah's name in the days of Hajj when it comes to offering the sacrificial animal. Because that is what is mentioned afterwards. Allah over that which, meaning they should mention Allah's name over مَا رَزَقَهُمْ which Allah has provided them مِنْ بَهِيمَةِ anam of Grazing livestock, four-legged animals. Bahima is used for a four-legged animal. And we have done this word earlier in detail in Surah Al-An'am. And Al-An'am refers to those four-legged animals which are for eating. Right? 
which are you know humble like for example goats sheep camels cows right so when they're being slaughtered allah says make sure you mention allah's name and once the animals are slaughtered fakulu minha then eat from it eat yourself wa atarimu and also feed give to eat who should you give it to al ba'is al faqir who is al ba'is ba'is from ba hamza sin someone who's in a miserable state miserable state poor tired hungry exhausted ba'is and do you see ba'is in makkah at hajj many people are exhausted from the journey of hajj itself right because you were sitting in an air conditioned bus but many people were walking all the way or they lost their family right so ba'is al faqir who is faqir someone who is poor who doesn't have anything so what do we learn in this ayah that at hajj there are numerous benefits and people come seeking those benefits remember ibrahim alayhi salam made the call he made the call he called people to come to hajj do people come yes why do they come to seek benefit what does this show that if we want to do something if we want to be successful then we better do that which will be of benefit to people because if it is of benefit to people people will come find it and if it's not of benefit to people even if you give it for free they'll never come to it they'll never come to take it then we see also in this ayah that all the rituals of hajj they must be performed for whose sake allah's sake allah should be remembered he should not be forgotten also we see in this ayah that when a person is engaged in an act of worship when a person is doing something for the sake of allah he should remember allah much you know sometimes we're volunteering for a very good islamic cause everything is supposed to be for the sake of allah but what happens at the beginning we're arguing in the middle we are backbiting at the end we are angry where is allah's remembrance nowhere that action is not then for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yadkuru isma allah and then we also see over here that feed the hungry and needy right that when the meat has been obtained from the sacrificial animal then a person must eat of it himself and he should also give to others specifically who the hungry the needy but this doesn't mean that the sacrificial meat cannot be given to the wealthy it can also be given to the wealthy it can also be given to one's neighbors friends relatives so on and so forth summa then liyaqdu summa liyaqlu then they should end tafathahum their untidiness liyaqdu from qaf dad ya qada what does qada mean to decree all right and remember that qada is in two ways through words and also through actions decree something through words how pass a verdict decree something through actions how execute it all right execute it implement it so over here thumma liyaqdu meaning they should execute and when something is executed the matter is concluded it's brought to an end you know for instance there there is a case going on court case it's been going on for so long and then eventually when there is a verdict and the execution is done whatever then what happens the case is finished all right so thumma liyaqdu meaning they should end they should end when should they end after performing the rites of hajj especially the udhiyah 
Because what is mentioned in the previous ayah is the uthriya, offering the animal. Because remember that when people go for hajj, they also have to sacrifice an animal. Right? So when that is done, then after that, Allah says they should end their tafath. What is tafath? Untidiness. Tafath is basically dirt or untidiness that has resulted from travel or being exposed to dust or because of labor, work. You know when you are working, 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 then do you get untidy? Do you? You do, right? So for example, in the morning you get all nice and ready and then you go out, you do your work, and then you come home, and because you've been riding on the bus, you've been walking through the snow, right? What happens when you look at your jacket? When you look at your abaya from the bottom especially? How is it? Nice and clean? No way. It's so filthy, you don't even want to look at it. So then what do you do? When you come home, do you stay in that tafath? What does your mom say? Take your abaya off. You know, I don't want to see these dirty socks. Right? So you have to end it. This is tafas. Tafas is untidiness. Untidiness. That is a result of travel, work, being exposed to dust, etc. Now when a person is at hajj, is there a lot of travel involved? Oh yes. You know, it's amazing how the first day of hajj you see nice and clean, white ihram. And in Mina, what do you see? Brown ihram on men. Literally, it's so dirty. Why? Because people have been sitting on the floor, anywhere they could find, they just sat there, they ate anything, and they didn't bring multiple ihrams with them, they couldn't really change. And even if they had, they could not change. Why? Because you better catch the bus before it leaves. And you're stuck in the bus for so long that even if you want to shower, you don't find the time to shower. Besides, in the state of ihram, are people allowed to trim their nails? No, they're not. Are you allowed to cut your hair? No, you're not. Are you allowed to put fragrance on your body? No, you cannot. So naturally what happens is that by the time the rites of hajj are done, are performed, or by the time the sacrificial animal is offered, a person, you know, they really need to go take a bath and get out of their ihram and trim their nails and so on and so forth. So what is being mentioned over here is that after performing the major rites of hajj, when people are in mina, the animal has been slaughtered, then what should they do? Let them end their untidiness. Get out of the state of ihram. Go change your clothes. Wear your normal clothes now. This is for men. Right? Go take a bath. Trim your nails, shave your head, or trim the hair of the head, and you know, shower, scrub yourself, clean, remove the filth. And it's also referring to specifically trimming the nails and removing unwanted hair from the body. So thummal yaqdu tafathahum. This is so beautiful. You know, it's as if it's been made part of the religion that when you're dirty, clean yourself. And from this is a big lesson that we can learn that we must take care of our hygiene. Because sometimes we're working, working constantly and we don't even get time to take care of ourselves. We don't even get time to take a proper shower. Remove unwanted air from the body. So, and, and all of these things, they add up. And what happens? Then a person doesn't remain clean. So, ثُمَّ الْيَقْضُوا تَفَثَهُمْ They should end their untidiness. This is also a part of deen. وَالْيُوفُوا نُذُورَهُمْ يُوفُوا وَوْفَا يَا وَفَا To fulfill. 
They should fulfill their vows. Nudur is a plural of nadr. What is nadr? To make something that is not obligatory, obligatory on yourself. Why? To get something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for example, a person wants to pass in an exam. Alright? So they say, Oh Allah, if I pass in this exam, I will pray 100 nafil. 100 nafil I will pray. Yeah, and people do that. Anyone? Oh, see? So people do that. Anyway, so when you make that condition with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if I pass, you make me pass, I will pray 100 nafil. This is another, it's a vow, it's a promise that you're making with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you pass your exam, you better perform those 100 nawafil. Alright? When it comes for hajj, many people say, Ya Allah, if you take me for hajj, then I will give this much money in sadaqah. Then I will pray these many nawafil in the haram. And I will recite the Qur'an these many times in the haram. So this is a gentle reminder that now that you're here at Hajj, وَلْيُوفُ Now please fulfill your vows. Fulfill the promises that you've made with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلْيَطَّوَّفُوا And they should do tawaf. بِالْبَيْتِ الْعَتِيقِ Of the ancient house. What is this referring to? The Kaaba. And why is it called the ancient house? Atiq is from the root letters عَيْن ثَاقَافِ and atiq is that which is aged, matured, something of great age and antiquity. So as a result, it's also very valuable. Right? It's very noble. Some things, as they age, they lose value. But other things, as they age, they become even more valuable. Right? So atiq is that which is of value. It's also very noble. It's also very honorable. So the house of Allah, the Kaaba, is it atiq? Is it ancient? Yes, it is. Think about how many thousands of years ago it was built. According to some narrations, it was first built by the angels. And then Adam salam, And then after the flood of Nuh salam, Ibrahim salam built it. So even if Ibrahim salam was the first one to build it, if, even then, it's atiq. It's atiq, it's very ancient. You're talking about the time even before Bani Israel. Right? So atiq, and remember that atiq, ayn taqaf, also refers to that which is free, that which is liberated. So the house which is free, meaning it's not owned by any person, no one can buy it and sell it and say, this is my property now, nothing like that. It's bayt al-atiq. So they should do tawaf of that house. Which tawaf is this? This is referring to the tawaf of hajj. You see over here in these verses, the rituals of hajj are mentioned. Right? They're not listed out one by one, but they're referred to in general terms. And, and basic lessons are being given to us. Basic guidelines are being given to us. The details of Hajj, they can be learned from other parts of the Quran as well as from the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Over here, the verses are talking about Hajj in very general terms. So over here, what is mentioned that after sacrificing the animal, coming out of the state of Ihram, alright, then what should they do? Tawaf. This is tawaf of hajj or tawaf of ifada, also known as tawaf ziyara. Alright? Inshallah when you study fiqh of hajj, you will learn about this in more detail. But once a person gets out of the state of ihram, he must perform the tawaf of hajj. So, وَلْيَطَّوَّفُوا بِالْبَيْتِ الْعَتِيقِ 
Now in this ayah, there is a couple of things that are mentioned. First of all, we learn about the importance of cleanliness. Again, the Prophet ﷺ said, الْفِطْرَةُ خَمْسٌ Five practices are part of fitra. Meaning they're part of being on the natural way of life. It's part of being a human being in other words. This is what makes you different from the rest of the creation. And what are those five practices? Circumcision, shaving the pubic hair, trimming the mustache, this is obviously for the men, clipping the nails, and plucking the hair of the armpits. These five things are part of fitrah. And this means that they should be part of life. That a person must not let their nails grow and grow and grow and after five weeks they realize, oh my nails are so long and dirty. I think I should get them cleaned up. No, this is something that does not befit a believer. A Muslim is clean. So look at your nails right now. Are they clean? Are they trimmed? Trimmed also. Trimming the nails. Because growing the nails, even though it may be very fashionable, but we should be concerned about what's under those grown nails. Alright? And if you do things yourself, alright, which means that you wash your dishes and you take a shower and you also do your own work yourself, then for sure there will be dirt which will collect under your long nails. And if that dirt is collecting over there, then what's going in our mouth as we eat? When we use the bathroom and we wash ourselves, then what's getting stuck under our nails? I'm sorry to be so explicit, but we have to face it. This is reality. You know, when we're cooking and the food is getting stuck, or we're eating and the food is getting stuck under our nails, this is basically a hub for germs, for filth. So trimming the nails is also part of fitra. Alright? And removing unwanted hair from the body, that is also part of fitra. Let's listen to the recitation. وَأَذِّنْ فِي النَّاسِ بِالْحَجِّ يَأْتُوكَ رِجَالًا وَعَلَى كُلِّ ضَامِرٍ يَأْتِينَ مِنْ كُلِّ فَجِّ عَمِيقٍ لِيَشْهَدُوا مَنَافِعَ لَهُمْ وَيَذْكُرُوا اسْمَ اللَّهِ وَيَذْكُرُوا اسْمَ اللَّهِ فِي أَيَّامٍ مَعْلُومَاتٍ عَلَى مَا رَزَقَهُمْ مِنْ بَهِيمَةِ الْأَنْعَامِ فَكُلُوا مِنْهَا وَأَطْعِمُوا الْبَائِسَ الْفَقِيرِ ثُمَّ الْيَقُضُوا تَفَثَهُمْ وَالْيُوفُوا نُذُورَهُمْ وَالْيَطَّوَّفُوا بِالْبَيْتِ الْعَتِيقُ سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته